Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about how we should treat each other in church. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to tell you about a big change that has taken place in our church. Our Sunday gathering has moved from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. You heard that right, 4 p.m. There are several reasons that we decided to make this change, but let me just tell you one. We now offer the only service in our city that isn't on Sunday morning, which gives people that have work on Sundays or other things going on an opportunity to go to church. A pastor friend of mine said to me not long ago, if you want to reach people nobody else is reaching, you have to do things nobody else is doing. And it is our hope that moving to 4 p.m. will give an opportunity to help new people experience and express God's glory. If you are in our area, we would love for you to try out our 4 p.m. service in person. If you aren't in our area, we'd love for you to watch our service online at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I think this can be a perfect way to end the weekend for those of you that listen to this podcast and are on the East Coast. For more information either way about our Sunday gathering, please visit wilsonville.church slash Sundays. That's wilsonville.church slash Sundays. Again, thanks for taking time to listen to this sermon. I hope that it'll help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Good morning. That hello was on the video. It'll make sense later. Um, uh, they thought it was funny. My wife was against the hello when we created that video, but it will make sense later, I promise, as we go through the series, but it won't make sense today at all. Uh, so this sermon not connected to that hello. Um, I am excited to be here at 4 p.m. I, I think this is cool. It's, it's really, the idea has grown on me as, as we've kind of thought through it and thought about it. Uh, it's so different. It's not like anything I've ever experienced before. I've never been a night church going person. There was like a Sunday evening thing that I helped with at a church a long time ago. But, uh, you know, it wasn't like the main service. I remember taking naps while the band was practicing or whatever. And, and, and so this is different, but I, but I think it's really good. And I actually think it's an, wow, uh, I think it's an apt uh, Sunday to, to begin this series of sermons on the church because uh, having church at four o'clock, it, it really fits, I think, with with this first passage of scripture that we're going to look at in the final series in the book of Romans. And, and in this, this passage we're going to look at today, Paul, Paul deals with like disputable matters. That's kind of the phrase. Things that can be controversial between Christians uh, because people disagree, but there's no explicit teaching in scripture. And, you know, I think a lot of times in, in the church's history, like service times have been one of those. Like there are probably people still in, in the world that would say, well, you can't do, you can't do church at 4 p.m. That's, that's not right. That's not, you know, how God would want you to do it because we get into a system, the order of a church service. You know, if, you, if a lot of you grew up and and you kind of had your couple of songs and then your special music. And there was just like a flow to it. And, and those things can start to feel like right and wrong issues, even though they're, they're really just disputable matters. They're matters that, that God hasn't directed us on one way or another. And, and, and this year has brought on, I think, a, a lot of those things that, uh, that have been, you know, difficult, where there's no clear scriptural teaching. And I alluded to this a few weeks ago. And, and, and what's been really interesting is, 
is that most of the stuff that I feel like has caused division within the church, and I don't mean our church because our church has done all right, but, but in the church throughout the last year, most of it is over things that, that God has not given clear directions on one way or another. And I'm not going to dive into examples really because, uh, because I know some people would think that it's, you know, the things I bring up have not been disputable at all. In fact, that's been the problem uh, is that now things felt disputable and everybody's argued about everything, even things within the church that God has not given us a clear direction on. And Paul has some advice for how to, to handle uh, handle these disputable things within the church. And we're going to look at that this morning. What's interesting, I think, is, is you kind of flow through the book of Romans. If you've been around for, you know, the last eight or so months, we've been, we started at the beginning of this letter called Romans, which is a letter written by a man named Paul to a church in Rome. And and as we've gone through, we've seen that Paul spends the majority of the time in this letter talking about Jesus and what Jesus did for us and how that affects our lives and what it does for our eternities and all these really weighty and heavy things. And then Romans 12, Paul begins to talk about how if we are Christians, we should live in light of all of that stuff that he's laid forth, all the heavy stuff. And so he, he moves from like a heavy presentation of the work of Jesus into, you know, a little bit lighter, although difficult topics, like a lighter kind of just statements about we should love and we should be passionate servers as we serve God in the church and otherwise and how we should respect and honor the government and, and all of these kind of really specific things about how we live as individuals. And, and now in the last three chapters in some ways, but primarily Romans 14 and 15, Paul now moves into how we should act as a group, how, how the church should interact with one another based on the things that God has done for us. And, and so that's where we move um, this week. Last week was Pentecost, the day that we celebrate the beginning of the church. And, and it, we were intending this to land there, but things happened. But, but we want to look at, for the next several weeks, how Paul finishes this letter. And, and he finishes it by, by talking about what we should look like. If we believe all of this stuff about Jesus... If a church truly believes that Jesus saves and that Jesus is the one to be obeyed and followed and, and that that should be expressed in our love of one another and all that, like what does that look like for us as a congregation? What does that look like for a church to live out together? And here's how Paul begins that in Romans 14.1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over Disputable matters, there's the word, disputable matters. Now, disputable matters primarily, and some would say only, apply to things in the Old Testament. Uh, I would say that we could extend out from that, but there was, there, there was this tension in the, in the Roman church because you had Jewish people who felt the need to follow all of the Old Testament law, and then you had these non, non-Jewish Gentile Roman people who had not grown up with the Old Testament law, who, who didn't think that they should follow any of it. It's like, what do I need your Israelite law for? And this is what primarily Paul has in mind when he talks about disputable matters. And, and we can, some of that application, you know, still, some of that specific straightforward application still rings true for us. 
Because, and I mentioned this uh, several months ago, I'm sure you don't remember it, there, there are many views, there are four primary views of how we should apply the Old Testament today. Uh, some would say that we should follow all of the Old Testament law. Some would say that we should follow none of the Old Testament law. Some would say that we should follow the Old Testament law that, that is also repeated in the New Testament. And then others would say we should follow all of the Old Testament that isn't specifically said that we didn't need to follow in the New Testament. And so there's this spectrum, like you may have been around people who who think that tattoos are bad, and that's because they've probably not very intentionally most of the time, but they've said, hey, there's an Old Testament law that says we shouldn't mark up our bodies, and we need to follow that. Uh, I, I remember this radio commercial. I cannot believe this is real. This feels like a dream. But in my hometown of Kaiser, for a while, there was a radio uh, ad playing uh, on local radio for a new church in town that I don't think exists anymore. And it said, if you are tired of tattoos and piercings, then there is a church for you. This was their advertisement. So our church, uh, I don't think they would like us very much. But, um, but this was their advertisement. And, and, it's, and it's because, uh, like I said, they probably hadn't thought through this, but because they're taking parts of the Old Testament law and saying we still need to apply that, things that, uh, you know, I would think we need to make a decision on. But, but these are interesting topics, right? Like, how do we apply the law? But then there's other things just in our world today. Uh, should a person drink alcohol or not drink alcohol? You could extend it out to a lot of different things. But, but disputable matters are, are specifically the laws of the Old Testament, should they be applied or not, but things that God has not given us, given us teaching on. Uh, I, I want to make clear that this isn't saying that we just get to do whatever we want as Christians because that would contradict what Paul has spent two chapters talking about, the way we live our lives in light of what Jesus has done. Instead, this is Paul saying there are things that we don't have clear teachings on, and how, how in light of that do we, do we interact with one another? Because we all, I mean, even in this room, we're not all going to agree on everything and where we fall, and we've seen so much of that in the last year. So then how do we interact with one another? Um, let me give you an example of, of this, uh, a biblical, a clear biblical example, uh, one that Paul would specifically have in mind, and that is food sacrifice to idols. And so there would be people, this happened in Corinth, another city specifically, but there were people who thought, I need to be very careful not to eat meat that's been sold in the marketplace that's already been sacrificed to an idol because that would be, in essence, worshiping a false god. Something, you know, for a Jewish person would be, it would just be anathema. It'd be horrible, right? And, and then there were other people who were like, I'm not making a sacrifice to an idol. I'm just buying a piece of meat at the grocery store. I mean, how, how can you, you know, I mean, and, and so then there's there, what that can create, right? in a church, uh, in the church, is that it can create a tension where the person who says, I can't eat that, looks at the other, and we'll see Paul talk about this, and says, how dare you be such a sinner, you know, not care about the great things of God and serving God. And the other person looks and is like, you're an idiot. Like, we've been set free by Jesus, and how dare you, how dare you try to hold us down with your legalism? And that's where we see this, you know, play out in the world today. The legalism versus, uh, versus you know, a freedom. And, and, and it, it, can get, it can get tricky, right? We all, I think by your faces that you know, it can get, it can get a little bit tricky. 
And I actually preached on, on this passage um, a few years ago, and we're going to send that out on social media. Um, I, I went really into more into depth about disputable matters and things like that. But today, I actually want to focus on something different in this passage of Scripture than I focused on however many years ago. Uh, I want to focus on all of the things that Paul shows us are at the heart of how we interact around these disputable matters. Because, because in this passage in Romans 14, Paul, Paul really shows us some really important things about what we ought to think about one another and how we ought to be for one another if we are going to handle these disputable matters in the right way. And I think they say a lot about about what a church is supposed to be. And I think they're so important uh, in the current church culture that just feels like, you know, we might all, not this church again, but every church just might split. And, and the first one is in that first passage, without quarreling, without quarreling. Like if we disagree on things that God has not given clear teaching on, then we should not fight about it. We shouldn't quarrel about it. That seems just like a whole, like that right there, like that's, that could be enough of a sermon, right? Because what have you seen this year in your, in your life? Everything we disagree about, we, a lot of people have made spiritual in one way or another, and then, and then there's quarreling. I, I've seen this you know, most specifically with masks. I'm just going to say it. I had a question mark, like, do I want to bring that up or not? But, but I've really seen this with masks. And, you know, on uh, half of my friend list on Facebook or whatever, I have, well, if you choose to wear masks, then, then you, are, you are taking away our, you know, great rights that God has given us in this country. If, you, if you're wearing a mask and you are, you are basically walking us down a path of tyranny, and, and it's your fault when the church gets persecuted, and how dare you do that, right? You kind of heard this line of thinking, right? And then on the other side, I've heard all year, I've heard all year, how dare you if you don't wear a mask? How dare you? Because that means you don't love your neighbor, and, uh, and you don't care about people, and you're going to kill grandma. And like, I mean, this is like, and, and, here's, and then so there's these two sides, and, and you already in your head are like, I'm on one of those sides, right? Like, I'm, I pick my side. And, and here we, we get, I think, a disputable matter, not specifically, in, you know, the things Paul's talking about in the Old Testament law, but uh, I think a disputable matter. I've heard a lot of people disputing it. <laughs> like, it seems like a disputable matter. And the first thing out of Paul's mouth when he begins to talk about church is, he says, don't quarrel. He doesn't say don't disagree, Right? He doesn't say give up on what you believe. He just simply says don't quarrel about it. He doesn't say that you don't take a stance or you don't have an opinion or even, and I've actually, this is one thing I've valued in our church this year, but in years past even more. It doesn't mean you don't ever talk about it and try to find consensus and work together to see if you can see eye to eye on these things, right? It doesn't mean that there's not dialogue around them. And, and I think a good church can have conversations about disputable matters and, and still avoid quarreling and still avoid arguing about these things. I think we've done pretty good this year. Uh, so you a little bit get a, just a thumbs up on this. I think our church of, you know, I've heard stories and, and I know like 
I'm, I, I've been able to witness it because even in our leadership meetings all year, we don't see eye to eye on how to respond to things. And yet we still like each other and we're sitting in this room and, uh, and we've avoided, I think, at every step and every turn and every difficult issue we've faced, we've been able to, uh, to have conversations without having quarrels. And I think that that just needs to happen more in the church about these things that God has not given us specific, clear teachings on. So that's the first thing. But then, but then Paul, Paul comes with this. He says, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. This is how it usually falls, right? Uh, on one side, you have the judgmental kind of feeling side, and on the other side, you have the people who are, are, are looking at the judgmental side and treating them with contempt. It's, it's frankly, it is, and I don't, this is not politics that we're talking about here, but it is the way that, that liberal and conservative people often view each other, right? Like, like we see this in the political discourse all the time. The conservatives are like, you immoral, filthy, terrible, wretched humans, right? Like it feels judgmental. And then on the other side, you have like the liberals looking at the conservatives being like, you backwoods, simple-minded, you know, cousin is your grandparent. Like, you know, like how you're such idiots. How can you not see it in the new modern way of seeing things? Don't you feel this kind of tension? Like this is, this is how the two sides often look at each other. And I, I, side note, if we could stop looking at each other like that, maybe we would do better in our country. But, but Paul says on these disputable things that feel like really spiritually important, and they are to people, right? Because we come at it from one side or the other, and we're both trying to honor God in these issues, like don't look at each other with contempt and, and don't look at each other with judgment. Like that's not how we ought to be looking at each other all the time when we disagree on certain things. Now, quick point. And if you go back and you listen to that series called Planks and Specks, uh, where I preached on this before, this does not mean that we never, we are to never judge fellow Christians. In fact, Paul in other writings says that we should judge one another. Uh, and, and you got to go listen to the sermon series. The, the idea of judging in the Bible is really kind of deep and uh, nuanced and important, I think, because there are times when we should call each other out on our on our sins. Uh, I love that I have people in this room who would call me out if I was living in sin. That's an important part of the church. But Paul here is saying don't judge about disputable matters, matters that God has not made a judgment on. And we'll see that as we move to verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Remember the context, disputable matters. And Paul basically says like, if God is our king, our Lord, our master, then how dare we be the judge when he has not you know, made something right and wrong? If God hasn't drawn a line in the sand, how dare we draw a line in the sand and say, if you're on the other side, then you're wrong when God, who is our ultimate king and Lord, is like, I, I haven't given any teaching on that issue right there. I haven't called things out one way or another. How dare you? Uh, sit in my place and determine the rightness and wrongness of things that I have not declared right or wrong. Now, there's always, like, this passage, like, kind of worries me because I can hear 
certain people in my head um, where it's like, it's just a tearing down of the Bible to try to make the Bible not say anything so that everything becomes a disputable matter. And I think that's the real danger of, of misunderstanding Paul. And frankly, it's the danger in some ways of extending this past just how we, how we handle the Old Testament law, although I'm doing that this morning, is that there are, there are people, I, I mean, I mean this, there are people in my life who have, who have so torn down the plain and simple meaning of scripture, the way that the author intended it, that basically what they're left with is, is this book of, of outdated ideas that have no application anymore, and, and so then everything is disputable and nothing is sacred anymore, nothing uh, is right or wrong anymore, and that is, that is not how this passage should be applied. We should always be looking for the authorial intent of scripture, and, and then we should be doing our best to live out what it has called us to live out. Remember again that Paul has spent two chapters talking about the way in which we should live, showing us rights and wrongs because of our Christianity. And so it would follow that Paul would not come along and say, well, everything's disputable. It just depends on the culture surrounding you. You live whatever way the culture tells you to. That is not what Paul is getting at here. He continues, one person considers one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks. Oh, sorry. For none of us live to ourselves alone, and none of us die for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that, we might, so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. I want you just to notice what Paul assumes here in this, in this uh, little section I just read. He assumes that every Christian is doing their best to live for Christ in every decision. That's the assumption here. Uh, this whole thing is a little bit based on the premise that Christians, I mean, notice the language. He says, they are fully convinced in their own minds. Like we should be in, in these disputable matters. We shouldn't be saying, what's most fun? What do I like best? What's easiest? We should be, we should be working in order to be fully convinced of, of what we ought to do. Now, it almost sounds backwards, right? Because, because what Paul said at this point, you'd say, well, do I have to be like half convinced, you know, like, uh, is this making me a wishy-washy follower of Jesus? You know, what, can I just go either way on everything? But, but instead, Paul says, on disputable matters, like, I think he would say, seek the Lord's will and then do what God is calling you to do while not quarreling with the people who are doing it differently. Not looking at them with contempt or in, you know, in a judgmental way, but, but being fully convinced in your mind. I have a, I have a theory, I could be totally wrong here, but I think we sometimes in Christian circles quarrel because, because we actually haven't spent any time truly trying to figure out what God wants for us. And so we're kind of on the fence. And then when somebody else comes in with a different side of the fence, it's easier to get angry at them than to really examine what God would truly have for our lives. I think it's like a defense mechanism almost. Like we haven't really thought about what God wants. We've just gone with culture, like whatever culture we're a part of. We've just said, yeah, that's what they're all doing. I'm going to do it too. And so then when somebody comes in, they're not like and does it differently. It, it bothers us because 
we're actually not attempting to live for Jesus at all in our decision. We're just following the political side of the aisle that we happen to align with. I, I think we argue out of defensiveness because we're not actually fully convinced that we're doing what God has called us to do, in large part because we never actually asked the question of God, what would you have me do in this situation? Paul assumes that Christians, even in disputable matters, are doing their best to live for God. I mean, when we do something, it's, we're giving thanks, right? I mean, for him, it's like food and days. Like, within that, it's, it's that we're giving thanks. But like, if we live or we die, it's because we belong to God and we want to do what God wants us to do. We, we should be, I believe, seeking the Lord more in our personal lives, when it comes to these disputable things, I think that's important. Paul continues, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Before you run off and think I can do whatever I want, pay attention to that, right? It's one of the, I think, scarier scriptures in all the Bible. Like, like you will give an account to God for the things that you have done in your life. You will sit before, you will stand before God's judgment seat, and you will have to give an account for the things that you have done. And so, so... There's two important things to do with that information. First, man, become a Christian. I don't want to be, I don't like to be like the fire and brimstone guy. I'm not that guy at all. But, but that should strike terror into us. If there is truly a creator, and that creator is going to be in front of us, in all of his glory, and all of his awesomeness, he's going to be in front of us, and we're going to stand there and give an account for the things we have done. Well, we better know that we are forgiven for those things that we are talking about, that we are answering to. And the only way that I know of to be forgiven is, is to accept the gift that Jesus has offered us on the cross. It's to believe that Jesus died for our sins, the sins that we will give an account for, that Jesus died for those. Because you stand before God, I mean, you're going to stand before God, you say, here's what I've done, here's all the things and then it's like, and it's like the only answer can be, right? The only answer can be, but hey, hey, but your son Jesus, he paid the punishment for those things, so let me in. Like there's no other hope for that. And I'm, I'm actually amazed at how many people I know that, that believe in God but don't take that idea seriously. And I'm, I'm amazed at how many people even just uh, say that they don't know if God exists, but but at the same time, don't seem to care about thinking about it. I'm amazed how many people reject Christianity without ever considering whether or not it might be true. And in large part, it's not because of how great it is, although I think it's great to be a Christian. It's because this idea would scare me if I wasn't a follower of Jesus, if I didn't have an an outlet, an out, not just an outlet, but an out for all of the stupid and terrible things that I have done. So Paul, I think he would say, first, 
except, I mean, at least read the first 12 chapters of Romans and consider the idea that maybe it's true. But then as a Christian, if you are a Christian, even in disputable matters, be trying to figure out what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Like really seek the Lord and just don't just follow culture. He continues, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another because we're all going to sit before the judgment seat of God. So don't pass judgment about disputable matters. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. A stumbling block is something that, that trips up somebody else, that causes them to hurt or leave their faith. That's what a stumbling block is. And, and we have a tendency to do that to other people because we want everybody to think like us about disputable matters. And so we cause other people to, uh, to be hurt in their faith. Um, I, I think of it like this. I think of it, I've been thinking about uh, this whole week. My, my son's Legos, big Lego guy. And um, I'm going to pour some of these out. We have some of them mad at me. How's this open? Should know how this opens by now. But you ever walked into a room, especially in the dark? No shoes on. You step on this. Half of the time, I look like I'm a ballet dancer trying to get across my kid's room. Uh, and it's in large part because of things like Legos, right? And if you step on one of those, you, I mean, man, I almost have lost my faith a couple of times just from, like, from stepping on the real Legos. Like, I mean, you want to swear and you want to... And, and, and I think that disputable matters can become, be, become like Legos for people, like... It's like the thing that's standing in their way from, from really embracing all that God would have for them. And, and you see this in like, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it in my, I'm amazed. Like at, at people, like when you know somebody's an alcoholic and then you, I see people drinking in front of them, blows my mind, just blows my mind because, because that's, a stumbling block, right? That's something they're going to step on or step in and it's going to ruin them, whether it's ruining their faith or whether it's just ruining their life, their life, right? Like that's, that's something that can hurt them. And, and we can do this to people. Like we can, we can put the Legos in people's way that's hurting their faith by simply wanting them to be on our side. Going back to food sacrifice to idols, right? Like such a clear example. Like, if, if these people need to be fully convinced in their minds that, that they are right in not eating meat sacrificed to idols, because to do so in their hearts would be to worship a false god. And you come in and you say, nah, man, like, we're good. I'm just going to serve you this steak. It's been sacrificed to an idol. No big deal. And then they eat. Like, immediately, two things happen. Two things happen. One guilt for them, right? Like there's this guilty feeling. They've done something wrong. They've, they've in, you know, broken their relationship with God because they've done something that, that they believe to be against the will of God. But also, and I think this is even bigger, you, you, you take people, you can take people down a single step that leads to a bunch of steps away from being right with God. For, for most people, like a rejection of God once they've embraced God is not because of a single moment. It's, it's a series of steps. But you wonder who put the first Lego in the way that maybe caused them to begin to walk the other direction. 
Paul is like, do not put stumbling blocks down. Do not put stumbling blocks down. He says, because I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord, that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. It's wrong for them, so why try to talk them out of it or into it or whatever it might be? It is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer, listen to this, acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone from whom, for whom Christ has died. You are no longer acting in love. That is at the heart of everything in this passage. We must be acting in love. And I have not seen enough of that this year. I've seen plenty of people acting out of fear. I've seen plenty of people acting out of, you know, their rights. But where is the acting in love? That needs to be at the heart of all interactions around disputable matters, around disputable matters. We must act in love. And and we just, we miss so often, right? Because we act out of anger and we we want to win the argument and we want people to come to our side, but maybe they don't need to. Maybe we just need to love. Now, again, there are rights and wrongs. And as Christians, we should call each other out when we are clearly, God has said it, don't do it, this is sinful. Like, then we, then we say, hey, you're doing the wrong thing or, hey, you need to start doing this thing because it's wrong not to, right? These, there are things that are not disputable, but in disputable matters, we must act, well, I think it's all acting in love, right? If we call somebody out on their sin, it's an act of love. And if we choose not to call somebody out because it's a disputable matter, then it should also be an act of love. Love should be at the center of all that we do as a church. Therefore, do not let what you know to be good and be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of, listen to these three words, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Righteousness, peace, and joy, usually words that are descriptors of, of our relationship with God, like they're vertical, but here it seems to be meant as a horizontal thing. We, we must make decisions around disputable matters that lead to a, a good, healthy relationships with others, that lead to peace within our midst, and then even joy, right? Like our relationships should be defined, described as joyful. We should, I love this, make every effort to do what leads to peace. Every effort. And there are times when peace will not be had. I've had plenty of them. I've been pastoring in, you know, different capacities for 16 years now. And uh, and I've had plenty of moments where peace is not going to be an option because I need to call somebody out on something that's just wrong, and peace is not an option. But we should make every effort, every effort to have peace when it comes to disputable matters and for mutual edification. This is what, this is what I love here. So I think this, uh, this illustration uh, is a good one because uh, we know, right, that that when used properly, Legos, Legos can, can actually be a really cool thing. In fact, <laughs> we're using a Lego to prop up this projector over here right now. So we put this illustration to good use this morning. And so uh, I like sitting around and building with my kids. And 
uh, making different things. I was never a Lego guy growing up, and so it's been kind of one of the, the fun things that my kids are into that I wasn't, that I've now gained an appreciation for, although I'm terrible at building anything, as some of you know, but uh, uh, Hudson's Legos creations are much better than mine. But that's the word kind of here that Paul uses. Uh, the English Standard Version of the Bible uses mutual upbuilding. It's a construction term for, for building something. And, and what I see in Paul's language here is that every disputable matter has the opportunity to either be a stumbling block or a building block. I actually think all of the things that that can be so hurtful and painful and difficult and we can fight about, if we, if we do them correctly, if we interact correctly, although we may never agree, it has the opportunity to be a building block in our lives where we can move forward. Think about like, you know, the conversations that could have been spurred on in, in the Roman church if if instead of somebody coming in and saying, you're such an idiot, I can't believe that you won't eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. How dare your small little puny conscience not allow you to do that or whatever. Versus like saying, hey, can you tell me about that? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just curious, like why you won't eat that meat? I th and how about following up with like, that's amazing that you're so dedicated to that. Or the people who are eating the meat, instead of the, you know, the other guy coming in, the, the liberal, is saying, or the, the conservative, and saying, you dirty liberal, like, can't believe you do something that's so close to the line of, of not serving God. Instead of that, what if they said, hey, what about it, you know, what if, like, why, do, why are you in your mind sold that this is an okay thing to do? And then, and then you just listened. And, and like, and they said, you know, because I, I believe in freedom in Christ. And I know there's certain things I must do and not do, but, but I believe we've been freed from this. And, and I'm not trying to talk you into it, but I think there's freedom. I mean, what if, what if that's how the conversations looked like in our world? Don't you think maybe that the stumbling blocks that exist in our world could maybe be things that we're, we're actually building up our character in Christ? Because I do, but it all has to be driven by love and a desire to maintain righteousness, good relationship with another, peace, and even joy in our midst. That's so different than I don't like your opinion on this thing that, yes, is important. I'm not saying that there's not, that some of this stuff is not important, but it's, <laughs> it's so much better than let's just fight about it, right? And oh, how different we would look as a church than the rest of the world if on disputable matters we looked more like building each other up and less like throwing down all the blocks and saying, step on that one, idiot. You know, I mean, that. how different would we be and how much would people be drawn to us and to the God that we serve if, if we followed Paul's words in this passage of Scripture do not, Paul says, destroy the work of God for the sake of food. I think I can say don't destroy the work of God for the sake of mass or social distancing or political ideologies or vaccinations. Like, please, don't destroy the work of God because of these things. And that's the risk we're running right now. Look, be fully convinced in your minds. 
You may be totally on the opposite side of me. Be fully convinced. Figure out what you believe is right. Have dialogue about it. Talk to other Christians about it. But don't quarrel. Act in love. Shoot for peace, righteousness, and joy. And make sure that you're working to build each other up and not putting stumbling blocks in each other's way. Because, man, God, Jesus died for us. And how dare us destroy each other over these things that are not even scriptural. Now, there's, again, there's webs. We can make scriptural cases for certain things, right? And, and at times that's important. But, but over disputable matters, let's not destroy each other. Let's not do it. For all food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep, I love this line, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything does not, that does not come from faith is sin. Did you notice, like, this super controversial statement right there? So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. That, like, that's not culturally cool at all, right? Like, Good night. Like, how dare you? Um, I mean, we have to go virtue signal every day or whatever it is. Like, can we just keep our mouth shut sometimes? Like, like sometimes that's really just the right course of action. Again, I think in Christian circles, I can, there's, <laughs> most of you in this room, I can have conversations about disputable matters and we would do just fine. But sometimes, let's just keep it between ourselves and God and go on our merry way because, not because we don't have opinions, right? But because we love each other and we want to build each other up and we don't want to put stumbling blocks in each other's ways. You don't need to post about it. Like, you, you just don't. I'm, I'm talking to you people as much as anybody that's out there on the camera. Like, you don't have to post every opinion that you have. Like, I know that our society now a little bit says you're wrong if you don't, if you don't every time say something. Like, that's kind of the feeling in our world, but that is not what God would say to you. You don't need to share every opinion about disputable things that you have. You just don't need to do it. I think if I could sum it up this way again, it would be this. Love can turn stumbling blocks into building blocks. Love can turn stumbling blocks into building blocks. And I see so many opportunities for this in our world today. So don't quarrel. Don't judge or treat with contempt about disputable things. Don't create stumbling blocks or obstacles. Act in love and strive for good, positive relationships with others that are characterized by peace and joy. Work for the building up of others and keep opinions about disputable matters between you and God because love can turn a stumbling block into a building block.